I'm Woody Huffines, and this is the Owner's Voyage Podcast, a journey to business ownership. In this podcast, we'll talk about how to make that journey more fun, more rewarding, hopefully more profitable, as well as tips for staying away from potholes, dead ends, traps, and washed out bridges. We hope you join us. Welcome to the Owner's Voyage Podcast, episode number 35. This episode begins a series of podcasts where the uh, owners, the Nerds to Go franchises, and I will do interviews. The last podcast that we did with the Catherine Monson interview was well-received with the Nerds to Go owners as well as other places. And Rory Dunneback, who's one of the Nerds to Go owners in Milwaukee, Oregon, suggested that we do podcasts with the Nerds to Go owners. And so Rory was, of course, the first of the podcast series that I'm going to do, and that's an interview with Rory. I had the opportunity to get a hold of Roy. We interviewed over the phone. I didn't actually go to Milwaukee, Oregon, although I'd like to. And we talked about the challenges of being a business owner and what he likes and what he doesn't like. And maybe this is an opportunity for you to listen to a little bit about what it takes to be a small business owner, what it takes to be part of an owner's voyage and how that voyage starts out. It's interesting to listen to Rory because some of the same challenges that he faces are challenges that I face and some of the challenges that possibly you face as you begin to think about putting together a business. The important thing about this interview, more than any other, is I would say how quickly Rory was able to answer what his why is, why he's doing what he's doing and what gives him the impetus to get up every morning and go do it. I hope you enjoy the interview, and I hope you get as much from Rory as I was able to in the time that we spent together. When when did you open your uh, your location? Yeah, that's a good question. So I just had my third anniversary, so it was December the 18th, and that would have been 2017. Well, one of the things that, as I've talked to other uh, Nerds to Go owners in particular, the uh, the the pattern seems to be that the the stores that were open in in early eighteen even through mid eighteen saw some benefit from COVID. They had a large enough customer base that when people started working from home and doing things that they actually saw a bit of an increase from their business from from the COVID nineteen problem. Did did you all see that? Yes, in fact, I did. That's, that's interesting. You know, one of the the, the things about owning a franchise is is I often um, wonder, you know, how we get information to each other. And um, I haven't really picked uh, I picked the brain of all the other franchise owners to kind of, you know, find out if everyone's experiencing the same. Um, it wasn't necessarily either a, a sort of a turnkey thing. You know, it was like March, really, when around here in Oregon, that uh, sort of, and maybe even all around the nation that was, that everyone started to, kind of go into the mode of, of being in lockdown. Right. And, you know, we stayed open operating under, you know, the, the conditions that were given to us, of course. Um, and, you know, I, I had to lay off an employee in fact, as a, as a precaution, but it only took a month to hire him back. And then I'd say, maybe it was July, July and August was certainly strong. September was my best month of the year. Um, but I've stayed pretty much at the same level now ever since that's awesome you know it the the, my store we didn't open until mid uh 19 we 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 opened in june of 19 okay and and covid has had 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 a significant negative impact on us because we're still in Hmm. because we're still in customer acquisition mode 
you know, the, okay. the, the number of customers that you have and then in the repeat business, I think the pattern seems to have been the people who had not been open for at least a year, um, experienced negative impacts and those that had been opened for, for more than a year, a year and a half had had a significant improvement because as people moved to work from home, they, they knew who to call. So while the ones that were relatively young and still in customer acquisition mode didn't have that built in demand that showed up from the COVID-19 excitement. Well, it's an interesting assessment. Um, and it just has me thinking, right. And, you know, I'm kind of looking just through my mind at, at seeing, you know, who my customers have been and, uh, I can't give you exact percentages. I'm not looking at data or anything, but uh, you know, anecdotally, um, certainly is the case. Especially my commercial business, I have you know I've really not had um, that many new um, new businesses looking to to get IT support or even you know having an assessment done. However, I've had a ton of the businesses that I've done work with ask me for for work or, you know, renew their service plan or renew their equipment or buy some equipment. Um, so that's certainly been, been the case that I can, you know, I kind of confirm your, your thought, Woody, on, on some of that. And I've also had, you know, people during this whole thing, I might've been one of the few, few repair shops stay open because I've had people travel from, you know, we're really close to the state line with Washington, but it's really unheard of to have people from Washington come, you know, the 15, 18 miles to the store to get service. But, during the heart of, you know, the summer, I was having just that happen. People were glad to do it because they had no other option. So, so, um, so what, what did you do before you did nerds to go? Yeah. Yeah. No, thanks for asking. Uh, that is a, a great question. Um, but kind of a interesting, uh, career background. So I started my career in the hotel and restaurant world. And, uh, loved it for a long time. In fact, as a high school student, I was, uh, you know, a bus boy at a, uh, restaurant. I'm from the Midwest. The Max and Ernest was sort of a chain of burger joints back there. And I'd worked for them and then worked in the kitchen and went off to Michigan State University where they had a great hospitality program, hotel and restaurant management, that is, and proceeded to get my degree in hotel and restaurant management. Did that for another, oh, probably 10 years after graduating before I thought to myself that, that I needed a change mostly for my family. So I got a master's degree. I went back to school here in Portland at Portland state. I got a master's in healthcare thinking that, uh, it'd be a great transition into healthcare. I could, you know, there's plenty of jobs out there. That was one of my number one criteria, but being in customer service, I thought, you know, healthcare could be a great, a great place to sort of take my skills. And I did. I did it and I went to work for a large organization, Kaiser Permanente, which is yeah, mostly nationwide now. They're yeah. not in every state, but um, they're, they're a very large healthcare organization. Learned a lot. Actually worked on many IT projects uh, there. Um, I worked in home health, hospice, senior care, senior care facilities. Um, learned a lot. Um, helped each one of the, the nursing staff, over 100 people, uh, transition to using iPhones to deliver care. So, you know, you sort of look at, you know, how I got here, every bit of my steps in my career, um, I sort of use every day. Um, and there's one more step in between. I worked for another large organization, a Catholic organization called Providence, where I was a lean and quality improvement specialist. I'm very skilled in 
lean and change management. It's one of my favorite topics, actually. I really like organizational development as I've gone about working for different organizations. I've learned a lot. You know, it's, in, it's interesting that you should mention that. Uh, you know, I, my background, I, my undergraduate degree is accounting and graduate degree is management information systems, computer information systems. And mm-hmm. so uh, I was at the, I started my career at the, at the uh, Westinghouse Savannah River site. Uh, we did, uh, hmm. we did nuclear weapons. We built, we built bombs. Wow. And, uh, Westinghouse was real big into Six Sigma and, 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 uh, statistical process control and lean and all that stuff. And I, I actually took, uh, in, in at the beginning of, at the beginning of my career, I actually took a total quality class from Deming himself. No way. Yeah. I was like, that's awesome. I admire <laughs> Edward Deming. Yeah. I've, uh, I've certainly done a lot of research of his work, as you can imagine. Um, and I was fortunate to, when I was in grad school, to get a chance to go out to Harvard University for a week and work with some of the leaders in healthcare uh, quality improvement. Many of them had worked with Deming as well. Um, but uh, yeah, that's cool, man. That's awesome. Well, it's you know, it's interesting. The the it, it seems that that the people who are the most successful uh, in 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 whatever business. Uh, I had small businesses thirty years ago, and I was thirty years old, and and the the uncertainty of small business wasn't fitting what we had to do because we had you know we had kids, we had things to do. So I traded. What I what I what I say is I traded uncertainty for unhappiness, and I left <laughs> I left I left the small <laughs> small business world and went to the Fortune 500, and now here we are, a bunch of years later, and I've traded unhappiness for uncertainty. But it but it seems that that variety of experience and the ability to look at things from a process perspective have been very helpful to the people who I find uh, as I talk to small business owners. That are that are more successful, or at least happier, if not more successful, it has to do with being able to look at the process and understand how that process goes. And and the way I've talked about it is that you've got three things: you've got the processes and and the systems and the people. And it doesn't matter how good the people are, if the system that you have that's supporting the process doesn't work, they can't be good enough to overcome those things. Now, do you find that true in your business? Well, that's a really good, uh, good observation. <laughs> I kind of chuckle, I guess, because uh, I'm oftentimes asking myself those same questions, right? And as I've, uh, I've been both in management and not in management, right? I've been a consultant, I've been an employee, um, so I sort of have both sides of of that coin to kind of reflect on on this question. Um, and I think you're right. Um, you know the only trepidation I have with saying you're right is, you know, I look at, uh, and I can be totally frank about nerds to go, I, you know, I think we have a lot of work to do in our systems. Um, and I've been somewhat successful. Um, but I've been somewhat successful because of the people I've hired, uh, which has been somewhat overcoming what I would consider, um, substandard systems. So, we have a process, but, uh, not a great process in my mind. Uh, one that I think needs to be improved on, but uh, we're able to deliver a great service nonetheless, and that's because of our people. And 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 that's a the the way that I that I put it is how how do we reduce friction? How how do we how do we make it 
how do we how do we reduce friction? How do we deliver what we need to deliver with with a reduction in friction? To, to that, yeah, that's sort of the, the million dollar question, right? <laughs> to that end, I know uh, the the nerds to go model certainly when it started out was a break fix model. Um, of late, we've we've looked at moving towards a, a managed service provider kind of mm-hmm. business to business concept. Have you have you been successful at engaging and working in the in the business to business environment? I think the answer is yes and no. Uh, let's start with yes. Okay, um, you know I do have a, a core set. Uh, of businesses, uh, if I had to guess, let's call it 30 of them. You know, some of them, um, I actually monitor their systems, uh, and do the full package, I guess, is what I'm referring to of managed, managed services. Um, others, I do project plans for them or project work. Um, you know, anything from helping them with, you know, email problems, help desk things, you know, forgotten passwords to, you know, installing network solutions for them or setting up with new new computers or transferring their email per se. Those are a couple of good examples. Well, it's interesting. Um, oh, go ahead. No, yeah, no. Go ahead with your observation. It was well, interesting about it, it's interesting for me. You know, um, until until we've had a little more robust and a little, a, you know, we're moving towards a better managed solution set. For me, there's been this 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 balance. You know, certainly, if you look at at you know Fred's managed services, that guy's security may not be the best security in the world. And you you know, last year we had several instances where an MSP was hacked. In the state of Texas, twenty five municip- municipalities got hacked because the MSP got hacked. Mm-hmm. And then in the last couple of three weeks, we've certainly seen a lot of excitement over Solar Winds getting <laughs> getting their, de- yeah. their development server tagged. So to me, there's a, there's a balance between being big enough and good enough that you've got a, a good infrastructure in place. But if you're, if you're really big and you're really good, then there's a pretty good chance that you just paint a target on yourself. Hmm. That is an interesting, you know, the, the bad guys, yeah. the bad guys aren't going after Fred's managed services. The bad guys are going after solar winds on the uh-huh. other, on the other hand, maybe Fred's managed service system is is the guy that doesn't understand the the complexities of security and that maybe he's going to get caught inadvertently not because one of the advanced persistent threat agencies was targeting but he just didn't get something patched and he ends up getting his getting his clients uh, in trouble so as you've worked into this and started looking at this how much time do you all spend really looking at at the security infrastructure and the things that you need to do to make sure that you're doing the things that you need to do to help people from a security standpoint? Well, that's a good question. Um, we spend a lot of time, uh, a lot of time looking, uh, you know, at sort of where, where people are at and giving advice. Um, not everyone takes the advice. You know, that's one of the barriers in, in place, right? I think that many people probably are aware, you know, whether or not they have the desire, the knowledge or the, the understanding of what the impact could be if they don't react um, it has been a challenge in a couple of our customers' cases. Um, but, uh, you know, to, to, re- to really look at, like, security, I think, is one leg of it. You know, I think the, the part that I really focus on is the service side. 
you know, we're continually making the great recommendations, you know, every month, you know, changing the passwords, identifying when people turned off the antivirus software, little things like that, right? It's, it's, we're not dealing with the solar winds of the world. We're dealing with some of the smaller, smaller corporations of the world um, or smaller, you know, even individual proprietors uh, in business. And to your point, you're right. I think the majority of hackers would rather have the solar winds than, than, than be you know, attacking these individuals. But the individuals are just as vulnerable, if not more vulnerable. You know, they're so busy trying to run their businesses wearing multiple hats that they, you know, leave a door open, right? They get a phishing email and they just, they click on it thinking, you know, what was this? I didn't, I didn't buy anything from Amazon. Why are they trying to refund it to me? So those are some things that we, we deal with a lot, right? They might bring us the computer after the fact or have us look at it before something happens. Hopefully it's the latter rather than the first. Um, so it is complex. You know, I think, uh, using the sort of the, uh, I call it an umbrella, the word managed services. And for me, it's really uh, kind of an ambiguous term, one that I'm on a quest to help better identify. I think a lot of people use the term loosely. Um, and sometimes it's hard to understand what people are really talking about. Is it security? Is it, you know, is it break fix? Is it, uh, you know, is it service? Is it help desk, right? Is it a combination of all those? I think that that might even be the answer. It really is everything combined. Um, but when it goes to selling that package, for me, one of the things, and this is why, back to your previous question, I said that I'm not really good at it, right? I'm not really good at explaining every, to everyone exactly what managed services is. Now, that doesn't mean I can't offer them a service. Whether I can call it a managed service or not is a different story. So that's the part I think is an opportunity, which I love, love, love about managed services and about where it needs to go is kind of going. And I try to look at like where all these sort of these roads cross. And I think, you know, here as I look at, you know, what we provide, you know, we do provide break fix services, right? Someone will bring us a screen or, you know, broken charging port, things like that. We get quite a bit or someone's been hacked or, you know, someone needs their computer sped up. All common problems that come in here. But I guess essentially what, you know, what I'm looking at is like, you know, okay, that's one one end. I'm good at that. Now, how do I take that to the next level and help provide them a series of solutions that's not only going to have them think about that, but, hey, have you thought about how you're backing up your your computer? You know, that's where I like the total solution that we've come up with nerds to go here in terms of what services we provide. It's sort of like this, I almost call it concierge, uh, concierge service for IT. It's like, you know, people don't know who they're dealing with. And then a lot of times they get themselves into trouble because they don't know who they're dealing with. But when you call nurse to go here in Milwaukee, Oregon, you know, the four people who are answering the phone or the five of us who answer the phone, you've met them or you've talked to them frequently and you know them. And so, you know, that part right there is something that has helped my business and establish us as someone that people can count on, whether it's managed service or break fix. Does that well, make sense? It does. And, and the, the way I have, you know, it's, 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 it, 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 it gets tiring because you sound, you sound it's it, in the nuclear, in the nuclear business, we call it FUD. Then all, all the opponents to nuclear energy pedal FUD, which is fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And so much of what you, it, it's easy to get trapped into when you're talking managed services or you're talking IT for small business is that fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Man, you're going to get hacked. You're going to, 
you're going to lose your backup. You're going to have to notify all your customers. You're going to get ransomware. You're going to get this and the, and it, and it kind of becomes a drain on me to talk about that negative side. And how do you, how do you turn that around and talk from what I've started to talk about as, as a business service provider? It's not just the IT. It's how do we leverage the IT to, to provide service for your business? And it's a business, uh, it's a business approach. What are the, what are the risks that you're facing and how do we mitigate those risks in a reasonable and economic way? Um, and that's, that's what we're trying to do is, is talk about it from a standpoint of you don't have an IT department and we can be that concierge. And I think it's a great word, IT department to help you accomplish the business goals that you have by leveraging your IT. Well, you nailed it right there. I always start with that right there. You know, what are you trying to accomplish? You know, when I do an assessment or I go into a new company or someone calls me up and asks me to come give them an evaluation. I don't start with what's, what's going on in the, on the floor, for lack of a better way to put it, you know, with their computers. I start by asking them, what are their strategic goals? And I've got this great example of a customer I've been helping, right? And I, I asked them the same questions, and before I was able to help them, their HR person was in communication with me, and she said, you know, Rory, said, we've got this big project. We're putting, you know, new phones on everyone's desk. This was right before everyone went to work from home. I said, you just put phones on everyone's desk, but they're never in the office. I was like, what does that accomplish? Right? <laughs> right. And so, you know, it's sort of like a mismatch, right? Okay. You, you thought you needed it because your phone system was outdated, right? So you, you're solving that problem that is in your mind, you know? But when there's all these great solutions like VoIP and you can have an app on your phone that, you know, controls your desk phone and you're really not there, wouldn't that make more sense? You know, that's a question I asked it. So, Having the business goals in mind are the first and foremost. And that helps me kind of filter the conversation in the direction to help them. Certainly, I want to help them avoid or mitigate the risks they have. But I also can help them achieve their goals, right? So as I look at, you know, all the solutions, and I was really great about this at Kaiser Permanente. You know, we would oftentimes look at, you know, technology is meant to solve a problem. It's not meant to be the problem. So whatever solutions we're going to offer you, you know, let's look, look at like how do they accomplish things and not, you know, not make you know, muddy the water or not just put something in place because you've you know, seen an advertisement or think you need something. I mean, there are things you need too. don't get me wrong, right? We want to make some recommendations. Not everyone knows how networking and firewalls and security are all set up. We certainly want to make sure those are part of the evaluation. Don't get me wrong. I'm not skipping that step by any means, but I am looking at like, okay, you know, you want to shut your office down this year and you want to run everything remotely, <laughs> let's start looking at how your setup is, right? You're right. Um, so those are some of the things that uh, I think we're, we're fairly good at. And well, that's one of the things that when I was running IT departments and I would, I would talk to my either business analysts or analysts or programmers. And, and it's what I call, it's what I used to call cat dead rat. Your, your IT guy gives you a solution for the same reason that your cat puts a dead rat on your pillow because they think it's cool. They think you'll think it's cool. Yeah. So not they, necessarily the case. So they come in and they go, Hey, look, we're going to, we're going to redesign your website and we're going to put a, you know, instead of this CSS style sheet, we're going to do a JavaScript and they think it's cool, but it, it may not answer the business need. That's a good way to put it. When I'm talking to businesses, you know, one of the, and being in healthcare, you might 
you you might like it. It's it's I I I liken what we do to healthcare. I can I can sell you a pain pill, I can sell you a vitamin, or I can sell you a health club membership. If your computer's broke and you need somebody to come fix it, that's a pain pill. That's going to solve your immediate problem, but it's not going to solve the underlying problem. The second thing I can do is I can sell you vitamins, which means I can do some maintenance things and some things to look at your computers to make sure that you don't need that pain pill because we're, we're looking forward and trying to do things that are, that are going to keep you from using the pain pill or needing the pain pill. And then the third thing we can do for you is sell you a health club membership. If you want to be bigger, faster, meaner, stronger, and develop capability that you don't currently have, we can help you do that. So it's kind of where do you want to jump in here? If you just want to wait till something breaks, we'll come fix it. If you want to get a little bit better, we can sell you a vitamin or, or we can we can put in a health club membership. That's a good analogy. I like that. <laughs> it's often, I mean, I think that you're right. It's, it's, it's difficult for people to understand things. And certainly I think everyone uses what I would call the litmus, litmus test of money to make decisions, right? In which case the pain pill seems to be the easiest one to sort of swallow, right? Right. In their minds, it might be inexpensive, right? The pill. The health club membership is certainly something that they've got to pay for ongoing, really, and therefore is an expense they may, A, not have planned on, which I kind of put that in quotes, you know, in a separate bucket because that that seems to be where a lot of people are at. Or, you know, they thought they've never, you know, they've known about it. They've kind of planned on it and said they have no need because it doesn't fit the circumstances. Well, and then the pain pill comes. And one of the nice things about developing that relationship with folks is, and that's, and that's one of the approaches that we take is, you know, where do you want to go and, and where you want to go may be a $20,000 trip and, and you hadn't planned on a $20,000 trip to get there. So what can we do to move you towards where you want to go that doesn't preclude you taking those options down the road? For example, you know, if we're going to build a network, maybe we put in a 24 port port switch instead of a, instead of an eight port switch and you don't need 24 ports right now, but if you do the 24 now, it's going to give you the flexibility to do more things in the future and kind of help them draw a map from where they are to where they want to go from a change management and, and a, and a process perspective. Yeah, you know, I can, you know, people probably even three or four years ago wouldn't have thought that, you know, VoIP phones would be something that, you know, they would want to run, right? They've had, you know, their phones running on a, you know, an analog system for a long time, and it never occurs to them that, you know, VoIP would be the way to go, and then they don't have a switch, right, or a switch of that magnitude to support them. So that's a really good example of kind of thinking things through um, where things are going next, right, just because you you aren't there today, you know, where do you want to be in two, three years? And, you know, we all know technology is going to change, but, you know, it's not going to change all that much that it's not worth planning for, you know, some of these things now. So this is a, the, the, the podcast is the owner's voyage podcast, and we're talking about the voyage to business ownership. So what, what do you know now that you wish you had known before you started? <laughs> Oh man, um, we don't have a four-hour podcast, right? <laughs> um, well, I really didn't know how hard it was going to be. Um, you know, I I came out of the gates guns a blazing. I guess is the way I could call it. You know, I drew up this really fancy business plan, and you know, thought to myself, oh, I could easily do 
you know, three quarters of a million dollars in a couple of years, right? Um, rude awakening. Um, you know, it didn't certainly didn't start as fast as I wanted to. I'm catching up to my business plan now for sure. Um, I also have to say that I didn't know how key the right people would be. I certainly knew that you needed great people and I knew what to look for in great people. And I kind of got lucky in terms of finding the staff that I have and they've been helping me create the store, you know, the nerd, the nerd lab as, as David likes to, likes to call it as a place that it is today and a place that's renowned. And I couldn't do that without them. Um, you know, I think those are some of the, the, the bigger things. Um, I also didn't know how good I would be at it. You know, as I reflect back and look, I mean, I, I am pretty good. I'm, I'm like a sponge. You know, I have two degrees. I've done a lot of education. I'm a kind of a lifelong learner. Um, you know, I think there's times where I need to acknowledge the, the, the work that I have done and the things that I've learned. Now, uh, you know, sometimes during COVID, I had to pick up a screwdriver and I had to, you know, help out where I could, um, where it wasn't doing more damage than good. Um, and I did pretty good at it. Um, so in those, you know, those kind of things, I never really looked at that. That's what I, w- I would be doing. Um, you know, I think that that was probably some of the voids I would see. Um, I also didn't really know where the business in the IT world was going. I didn't know what managed services was, nor had I really heard the word, honestly, Woody, before I had started. I'd heard it briefly mentioned. You know, and I think when we were first starting, we had some trepidation whether we even wanted to get into that realm over the world. You know, looking back and having some conversations with Jonathan, we were, we were speculating whether that would be a good thing or a bad thing, right? And I think as we've moved into the world, we've certainly, you know, answered that question. Um, I really didn't know uh, how big we would get. You know, I remember talking to David at the... Um, the first dinner during discovery day talking about how great it would be one day to have nerds to go on the side of a NASCAR. I've never forgotten that. <laughs> and, you know, I just kind of look around and, you know, the fact that we've merged with, with fast lines now that actually becomes more of a reality in my mind. So yeah. I really didn't know where we were going to go. Uh, um, the, the, and I've used it. It's people who listen to the series of podcasts will hear, hear my stories 27 times because it's, it's, it's at least it's new to you. Um, I was, I was talking to a guy and I said, how are things going? He said, it was going great until I figured out I paid $150,000 for an 80 hour a week job that don't pay nothing. <laughs> well, you know, one thing I have done and you know this is interesting from a from a perspective and hopefully i have i've taken a paycheck since day one so that's something that i'm really proud of um something that my dad is as you should be yeah and my dad is you know he's helped finance our business it's a family business and and he hasn't and he's done a lot of hard work as you can imagine It, it takes a village to you know keep the systems going and the financial statements going and and things like that. And, you know, we've, we've, we've started to make money this year, which has been great. And it's made him very happy and very proud. But, you know, I never, I never thought that that was actually going to be a big deal. Right. I mean, I needed it. That was the only way when my dad made this, you know, kind of idea was maybe the only way I could give up my job was to have a job that was actually paying. So, you know, those kind of things, um, you know, weren't maybe the opposite of a void, 
that was something that was probably fulfilling. Uh, it wasn't a huge salary. I'm not killing it by any means, but you know, I'm also not poor. Um, and so, um, you know, those are some of the things as I, I look back, um, you know, I think that the, the other thing that, you know, I wish I had known before I come in here is how great of people I was going to meet. I had no idea about all the stories I was going to learn about. My favorite thing about owning the store is when I get to spend time with the customers and they tell me these stories about their travels or they were a war hero or, um, you know, they, they've written books, um, all kinds of different, really interesting things. I've got the, the chance to listen to people and hear about. Um, and that's, that's pretty rewarding too. So the biggest surprise was how hard it is. What, what did you think was going to be really difficult? It turned out to be pretty easy. <laughs> that's, that's a good question. Um, let's see, I got to kind of think about it for a minute. Um, what did I think was going to be hard? It was going to be pretty easy. Well, I actually had a pretty easy time um, opening the store from start to finish. I don't know what I've ever told you, but I bought the the franchise in, I think it was September. And then I think I opened in December, right? So it was that 90 days. Right. And, you know, I I did a lot of the work myself. I'm not a carpenter, but I built the counter. I painted the store. I bought the furniture. I put everything together. You know, I got the sign ordered, you know, all the things you need to do, the, the bands ordered. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be a lot harder when I first looked at the plan. I'm like, darn, there's a lot to do. And um, surprisingly, I just, you know, I kept my, my you know, kind of head down and, and follow the plan that I had written. And it was a lot easier um, to do than I had actually thought <laughs> So on, the, so on the converse, uh, you know, that, that getting the store open turned out, you thought it was going to be difficult and it turned out to be a lot easier. What were the things that you thought were going to, going to be really easy that turned out to be really difficult? Yeah. It turned out to be really difficult to get the phone ringing in the beginning. I thought it was going to be a heck of a lot easier. You know, I probably spent about $25,000 in advertising, right? When I first started, I did some radio, I did, you know, I had ads in the back of buses I had you know, join the chamber. I uh, took out newspaper ads, right? It was everywhere. It turned to go everywhere, right? I'm like, ah, oh, right. I'm going to spend 25 grand and it's going to be a magic switch. <laughs> People are going to start calling and I'm going to, you know, often go on just like, you know, say a Subway or a McDonald's. And that was just not the case. Um, in my first few months, you know, I had to really understand that there was, I think the best advice I got was from my dad. He's like, you know, there's going to be days where you make nothing and that's okay. You need to brush yourself off and get back up and, and do it again. And, you know, you're going to, you're going to, you know, have less and less of those days and that's how you're going to measure winning. And that's, you know, that's kind of how I looked at it. One of the things that I've talked about in the podcast is, is, is that this entrepreneurship, the small business ownership is hard. And one of the keys to being able to get up and, and, and brush yourself off and, and do it again tomorrow is having a sufficient why, whatever that why is that, that gives you the reason to do what you're doing is something that you can always fall back on. So I would ask you what, what's the, what's the big why, what's the, what's the big driver for you to be able to get up the next day and brush yourself off and hit it again? Well, that's an easy one it's to make the world a better place for my kids in the future. 
and it's not necessarily just financially, but it's through the people I meet every day. Um, it's in, you know, providing the jobs for my employees so they can go out and live their lives to make the world a better place too. Um, but it's really, you know, it's really about them and, and, you know, people have worked hard to make my life the way it is and, and provide me an opportunity to do just that for, for myself. And so I'm out to repay that. So the, one of the favorite parts of your job is meeting people and, and, and having those conversations and learning about customers and, and learning and encountering and, and finding stories. That's the favorite, maybe the favorite part of your job. What's the favorite part of your day? I mean, on a daily basis, what do you look forward to that I get to do today? Well, what do I look forward to? Well, I can tell you, I don't, I don't look forward to the accounting part of things. The administrative parts of my job kind of stink. Um, you know, um, I look forward to, I guess, the newness or the adventure of the day. You it's know, my days are never never quite the same. Different every day. Different every day. There's going to be something sometimes that, you know, you just didn't expect is going to come up and, and it's just going to be, a, you know, joy. I had a, had a customer the other day who, who came in and, he was just bringing in a drive. He really didn't even know what he had, but he was dropping off for a friend. And he had a really interesting accent. So I asked him, you know, what, what, where's your accent from? And he said, South Africa. Or I even asked him, I said, do you have a South African accent? He said, yes, how did you know? I said, well, I've had some friends from South Africa. So your accent is, you know, distinguishable for me. Uh, it's also very uh, unique. But then that conversation led to, you know, further conversations about world travels. And I traveled a lot as a youngster. I lived in Europe for a long time and we started trading stories. And then all of a sudden he had some recommendations for where I would travel, you know, and I learned some things. And he, you know, he was we're very gracious and, you know, he spent some time and, and he probably had no intention of spending more time than just dropping off the, the hard drive at the shop here. But, you know, for me, it got great joy out of just kind of thinking about something I had no idea I was going to even think about or mention about that day. But um, that, for me, is a lot of fun. You know, the um, the, the the process of, of going through owning a business and, and, and doing the things in the in the business and, and you know, when, when we're on uh, validation calls, when they have people call me and, and talk to me about what's it like to be a merge to go franchise owner or, or what, what, what are the things that I need to be uh, thinking about? And your, your mention of the administrative is one of the things that we talk about is in, in corporate, in the corporate world, if you're, you know, if your chair's squeaking, you call facilities. And if you've got a contract to look at you, you call legal. And if you got a employee, that's a problem, you call HR. And, and I tell them, if you're a small business owner, you are legal and you are facilities and you are HR. <laughs> What so in, in in that in that sense, what what have you discovered or developed as a skill since starting your business? What how have you grown and and found new things and new skills that you didn't know you had? Well, first and foremost, I got a knack for listening to um, how people share their problem, their IT problem, or whatever problem they're calling me about. Um, I think I've really developed the skill for being able to listen for, you know, what it might be. I'm not really great at fixing it. That's why I have the others. But when people call, as I look back on some of my calls and, and listen to them, especially, I, 
I, I'm really great about, oh, okay, I've seen that problem before. I hear what you're saying. Or it's like, I hear how you're saying it, and I know what questions, clarifying questions to ask to help. Because not everybody speaks the same language. You know, that's very common that somebody will mention something and, you know, you know your first inclination is to think this, but when in fact they really mean that. And so for me, you know, that's something that uh, I think is really great because I'm able to, you know, flush that real problem out and then have an intelligent conversation about how we can help. And then, you know, more times than not, that turns into a job for us. Um, so that actually is a real art and a real skill. So if you looking back, if, if, if somebody's talking to you about starting a business and, and starting what I call the owner's voyage, what are the one, two, three things that you would tell someone before they, before they embarked on that journey? Well, I'd tell them to take a long vacation before they start because <laughs> they're not going to get one for a long time. Uh, no, in all honesty, you know, and I'm, I'm just now discovering this more is, you know, I, I, I do work a lot, but there's more to work than, there's more to life than work. Um, and, you know, really looking at like how to have, you know, I hate to use the word, you know, work-life balance because I think sometimes it's one of those things that's just a, a term rather than an activity. Um, but the real idea is, you know, how do you go about enjoying it? What are you? Where are you going to have fun? And think about that first and then build your life around it, right? right? Now, there may be some times where you have to sacrifice things. Don't get me wrong. It happens all the time. and make a great plan. It doesn't quite work out that way. Um, but, you know, just this week, I, I did something for myself. I bought a boat. Oh, all right. I bought a, uh, I bought a drift boat to fish the rivers with my friends. I can't tell you, yesterday, I desperately needing a day off. And we took the boat down and put it in the water and, you know, learned how to do the things like back up the trailer and put the boat in the water and row it. It's a, you know, a drift boat doesn't have a motor yet. But we were just peacefully sitting out there in the middle of the lake, no one else around, watching the birds chirp, pretending like we actually fished. <laughs> I know there are, just, there are days that I would pay the fish not to bite. <laughs> yeah, right. How about you well, just not quite. How about you just let me sit here and drink beer and watch the world, and I don't want to mess with the. I'll just throw the throw the throw the lure out and bring it back in, and there's like a little zen movement. I don't I don't need any fish going on. I just need to be out here. Yeah, it's not even fishing season. That's the beauty of it all, you know. Um, but yeah, so you know that's something I'm really focused on uh, now is to to incorporate some of those days. And you're going to have some really great days where you're just you're, you're counting your money all the way to the bank, and that's great too. Um, but, you know, really learning to appreciate those things, that's some of the, the best advice. You know, the other thing that I think stands out for me is about this idea of my success is your success and your success is my success. You know, Nerds to Go for me has always been about this team game, right? And as we've grown this franchise, even though, you know, the nearest franchise is probably 180 miles north up in Seattle to me. You know, their success is just as important to me as my everyday. Um, I really think as we're growing this brand and, and build that idea of concierge IT service, right? Bit new, that idea, uh, at least in my mind, that we're all building it together. And then people start telling the stories and the stories travel 180 miles between the stores or 3,000 miles across America to, you know, to Tampa, Florida would probably be the first store for me. Um, which is great, 
right? And we grow this up and, you know, my hope is one day that there's, you know, just as many nerds to go as there are fast signs. I think that would be an enormous accomplishment and one that we can all be proud of. Amen. You know, the I enjoyed the, the interview that I had with Catherine uh, Monson. I enjoyed it immensely. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm very fond of quotes. I'm a, I'm a quote guy and, and, um, they've got a, at the fast signs headquarters. I'm very fortunate. The fast signs headquarters is about driver three iron from my house. <laughs> nice. Well, and I told somebody that and they said, how far is it? And I said, well, I got on Google earth and, and it, it is, it is, 781 yards from my door to their door. And the guy said, you can't hit a driver to three iron 700 yards. I said, I can too. It's on concrete. <laughs> yeah. It's like that, that, that thin cup one, right? Where he bounces exactly. down the road. I, you, I get this bad boy rolling. We're, we're, we're good. Um, <laughs> the, one of the, in, in, in the fast signs heads where they've got a hallway that's got quotes and, and Catherine, puts quotes up and, and they change quotes out and, and I'll, I'll send you, she sent me the, the list of quotes, what the inspirational quotes are on the wall. But I ran across, across a quote in the last couple of weeks that I hadn't seen in a while. And it's by Dwight Eisenhower and Dwight Eisenhower said that planning is essential, but plans are useless. And I really got to thinking about that because the the planning process about how you intend to do it certainly informs and and prepositions you to make decisions. What kind of planning process do you go through for your business? Well, of course, I write a budget every year, right? I mean, that is essentially the the way we're going to achieve it and the tactics that we develop. Um, you know, when I, you know, first before I first opened, I wrote a you know, performa, right? How am I going to perform over the, you know, first five years of the thing? And, you know, how quickly am I going to, you know, make money? Um, but we also, you know, every day we have a huddle, right? We make it, you make a plan for the day, you know, to see how, how we're going to do, you know, where do we need help? Where do we, you know, where are we going to make money? How are we going to hit our, our goal for the day? The, the, the dollar amount, you know, what, what can we do to fill the gaps? I guess so. You know, we, we're fairly good at, at planning, I could say. Um, but it's useful what you just said. It had me thinking too, right? There are times where, you know, you can get so attached to the plan that you don't really fulfill what you're out to fulfill, and therefore, you know, that doesn't become very serviceable to you, or you know, at the end of the day, very rewarding. You just go home and you're you're wore out. You're trying to chase it the whole time. You know, darn it, I just can't get it right i've had days like that too <laughs> um and so yeah you know in terms of in terms of planning and you know things are going to change and you know one of the things that's in my development that you know i've really been working on as, as sort of the leader and, and, and person who, who helps with that is to to let the others be be really looking at and developing the plan themselves and it doesn't have to be my plan even though it's the budget i wrote it doesn't necessarily have to be my plan. You know, when others really get committed to what you're committed to, you're all aligned and they have their own vision and values and ways of getting there. And if you can help them achieve it, then of course that becomes much easier, right? Than forcing someone to adapt your plan and therefore follow it. Awesome. 
I have I have really really enjoyed the time. I appreciate I appreciate you taking the time. A lot of insight, um, uh, a lot of ways to think about what what has been worth worthwhile to you. What what the surprises have been. The the last thing that I would ask you is, as you go forward, what what are you most proud of that you've accomplished uh, mm. up to this point? Yeah, you know, I was reflecting on that at the end of this year. You know, I'm most proud of not giving up. I think that there's been times when I certainly wanted to, and uh, you know, been you know kind of beat up or wondering if you know I'm really really am going to be successful. Um, and I'm most proud to kind of continue to keep coming. You know, I I'm the first one at the office and the last one to leave. I know that's not always the best thing, um, but I do love what I do. And I'm proud of the fact that I have gone through my career. You know, I've had some ups and downs, had some great people who've had really, really uh, given me the the respect and and the the ability to kind of take my crazy ideas and run with them. But I've had nobody like my dad who's invested in me to go out and say, "Hey, you know, I believe you can do it." So I'm really proud of the of the the results I've produced. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I, I've always thought that I could be successful in business and, and now I'm actually experiencing that. Awesome. We'll leave it at that. Well, thank you for taking me up on my offer to do this. Um, oh, I really appreciate all you committed to doing. I know it's a lot of time on your, your, uh, your part. And my hope is that we get to know each other better. And one day we're spend some time in person. That was an awesome time to talk to Rory. And as we do a series of podcasts, as we do the, the series of interviews that I'm going to be doing with the nerds to go owners, pay attention, I guess, to the constant themes that we hear in these podcasts. And we'll talk more about them when we get there, but I hope you enjoyed this one. This has been episode number 35, of the owner's voyage podcast. This is Woody Huffines. Thank you for joining me.